Hello there, I'm Dave Middleton and this is Talking Research. You'd be surprised at how many academics do everything they can to shy away from numbers. And I'm not just talking about avoiding filling in their tax returns each year. No, I'm talking about numbers in research. People seem to sense a divide between quantitative work and qualitative work, and they like to put themselves on one side or other of that divide very firmly. This was the theme of a conversation that myself and my colleague Alison Green had with our friend Nick Johns just the other day. This is what happened. Have a listen. Oh, right guys, how are you doing? You alright? Hi, Hi, Nick. Nick. Oh, hi. Just come out of lecture theatre, I'm a bit tired. You know what it's like when you're sort of up? You've just given yeah. a lecture and it takes you a little minute to, to yeah, come down? Yeah, yeah. How are you doing anyway? I'm alright. Actually, I was funny I should bump into you too because I, I, I've just been reading this piece of research. Um, in this research article, and it's it's a quantitative piece, so uh, always a bit uh, suspicious yeah. about that, <laughs> okay. to be honest. I'm a bit um, shocked that you're reading the quanti- I'm a bit shocked you can read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet, did you understand any of it, Nick? Do you know, I understood the conclusions, because those were fairly clear, but the actual, the way in which the findings are set out and described in the paper, not terribly meaningful. Do, do, you, do you want me to, you know, run you through anything? Well... Absolutely. If you can yeah. explain at least that much, that yeah. would be very I- helpful. Idiot's guide to statistics. <laughs> 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 One idiot. Uh, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> you can't speak uh, honestly. So, uh, for example, oh, it's a silly example, but you could say, you know, family size is caused by, um, you know, income or um, things like that, age, um, and, and you could gather data on age and income and okay. you might be able to predict how many children people have for example but are those so associational i mean i, I yeah. would worry that you're just picking a, 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 a variable at random and going oh look there's a there's a connection there so they well, must if you're be measuring well, you wouldn't do you yeah. wouldn't necessarily do that but i think you most statistics are there's an association mm-hmm. so that you can say that for example, income and family size correlate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that income causes, causes family it. size, yeah. oh, right, okay. or that, uh, or, or vice versa. Mm. But there is a strong, strong association between mm. the two. Right. Okay. And, and unlike um, this qualitative nonsense, it is actually based on evidence and theory. You know, you don't just come up with these ideas. You, you no, look at the so. literature and see, you know, what have people found before? What are the associations statistically? before you start building causal models. So you don't just go out and ask a load of people and gather a load of ideas and write it down and gaze into your navel. I'm going to be a bit of a mediator here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just starting to get a bit cross now. (laughs) (laughs) He's just come out of a lecture. (laughs) (laughs) To be assaulted like this, you know, yeah. Well, it's different types of evidence, isn't it, in fairness? I mean, you know, and also different approaches to theory. I mean, one is about testing the theory and the other is about developing theory. That's what we do often is... You know, I mean, funnily enough, just talking through a student in his dissertation at the moment, he's doing an ethnography, you know, and he's, he was really concerned that he didn't have a question. You know, I want a question. Mm. And actually, you know, trying to get him to understand that, that his, his work would develop the question, yeah. that it was iterative, that these ideas would emerge from the research well, it's process the, itself. It's but that it's different thing, isn't it, about it induction is. and deduction? It is, and, and retroduction as well. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're... Yeah. It's a big difference though, isn't it? The the idea that you develop a hypothesis and then you go out to test the hypothesis. So yeah. typical kind of natural science type of research yeah. would be that we expect this 
x to cause y now we'll look for ways to see whether that actually happens yeah mm-hmm. so we're looking for proof yeah uh, or to disprove it yeah fact, falsify it normally whereas in qualitative research it's always struck me that the idea at least is that you start by collecting data and then the hypotheses as such or the theories start to come out of the data that's right but yeah. the one thing that's always um, confused me about that uh, and I'm sure you can tell me otherwise, Nick, <laughs> is that uh, Here we go. why would you be collecting data if you've got no idea what it is that you're looking for until you get the data? Yeah. How well would you know d- where to go and look? It dep- I suppose it depends on what kind of qualitative work you're doing. I mean, if it's grounded theory sometimes, you, you probably have a very, very, very broad idea about something that you want to explore. So, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be a very particular set of circumstances that you're looking for. Sometimes it's it, you know the, it comes out of something um, mundane or you know you, you develop a, a broad interest. I don't think it's possible to approach anything as a tabula rasa. I don't think you'll be able to do that. But you know it does come out of an interest. There's no doubt about it. But that interest is then developed and you know and you gather data and then you um, develop ideas and then you go back and gather more data and so it's an iterative. It's an iterative process of theoretical development. But you know, if, if you take the Chicago School, yeah, wh- they basically knew where to go to, to because they'd use census data to identify the sorts of people they wanted to discuss and look at, and the lives they wanted to look at. I think, in a way, this is the the issue about the two paradigms, isn't it? That they work well together, and in fact, most studies, if they're going to be effective or really useful, probably are best if they're mixed method. I suppose it's that interplay, really, isn't it? It's not one or the other. It, I think sometimes it's better. To, to do both and, and, and combine them. So I, I take your point, and that's not a bad thing, actually, because you know, often we don't know what we're looking for, even if we know the broad area that we want to look in. Yeah, do you think we've now moved beyond that, um, the qualitative, quantitative I, paradigm? I, I think we have. I, I think the, the, there's this pragmatic approach now to, to mixed methods research where you know, the, the methods that you use are actually you know, fit for purpose. You, know, you, you use what works. And you don't get so hung up on methodology and you know all that stuff about ontology and epistemology all that. and epistemology yeah. And, yeah. I think all they're the, still all important. Those ologies. Aren't they? <laughs> ologies, yeah. <laughs> they are important yeah. still, I think, aren't they? Because it is important to understand the type of knowledge that you're developing. Mm. Otherwise, it's kind of meaningless. But nevertheless, I think they they are together stronger. You know, you develop stronger research through the use of different methods yeah. it's is a toolbox it isn't it is yeah. it a bit like harry potter you know uh, the wand chooses the wizard <laughs> and you could say that the uh, yeah. uh, you can use this in one of your lectures nick i'm giving you this line. thank you very much okay because I, I know you're desperate for some material um <laughs> the so like the wand chooses the wizard the research question chooses the research method i think i think so because sometimes mm. the research method question isn't clear anyway and sometimes you need a different methods to get at it yeah. So it's I like a jigsaw, isn't yeah. it? That, that uh, you know, you need so many pieces from different areas to, to actually be able to see what the picture is. I'm going to take a slight step back to the paradigm thing a little, I think, in the sense that the ontology and epistemology is important because sometimes we've got greater sympathy with a particular epistemological understanding or an ontological situation. You know that that we tend to frame our questions in a way that we can use our preferred methods to answer uh, those questions. Well, there are some questions that are clearly going to be quantitative. If you ask a question such as, how does one thing affect another? For example, we use the 
the, the you know how does income affect family size family size yeah. you would look at income and family size that is a quantitative question it is you yeah. could do it qualitatively but the question itself seems to lend itself to a quantitative analysis yeah. but that's yeah. the way we've framed the question which is subjective yeah yeah because you could equally mm. ask do poor families have more children uh, yeah. where you could do yeah. that qualitatively and go and talk to poor poor mm. families and, and you why could. Yeah. and you could do a case study couldn't you yeah yeah and mix them up yeah yeah oh. Well, we're coming to a great conclusion here, which is that you can do whatever you want. Really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Pragmatic approach. It is. Yeah. What what works is okay. Oh my God, you're Tony Blair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you <laughs> noticed. <laughs> I wonder what had happened. Shot. <laughs> <laughs> He's become a transsexual. Right. <laughs> On that note, right, I'm going back to my office now yeah. to try and process <laughs> some of this. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see, see you guys too. Well, I challenge anybody to come up with an academic environment where Tony Blair, Harry Potter and the Chicago School are all used to explain how we come up with the methods that we choose to use. Maybe we'll do it next time here on Talking Research. Thanks for listening.